0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Mani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Mani. Cool. If you have a Bible, let's, uh, let's open up to the Gospel of John. We're going to start there, and today we're going to go through... A different uh, series of scriptures today um, as we study the story of Christmas. You know, I've been uh, blessed, man. God's given me so much grace to have been a pastor for many years, you know. And, and uh, you know, sometimes you're like, well, what do I teach on this year? We've done Luke 2, we've done Matthew 1 and Isaiah 9, Isaiah 7. And, you know, it's just one of those things, I think, where the Lord has to lead us each and every time. But, you know, to me, I think today what God wants to share with us is the who, what, where, when, why, and how of Christmas. So we'll see how this works out. But I do know this, that to be able to celebrate our Savior's birth with you today is a joy. You know, how many of you here, I know some of you here are struggling, but man, a lot of you here, we love Christmas, huh? I know I do. I love everything about a true Christmas. I love to hear the kids sing, huh? Isn't that cool? Aaliyah blew me away. She knows scripture better than I do, man. (laughs) Just memorizing that. Beautiful, from the heart, man. Awesome, you know. I know I love Christmas. Uh, For us as a family, for us as the Kornia clan, Christmas is a set of certain songs, sung by a certain someone named Stephen Curtis Chapman, you know? And as the music's playing, this goes on every year, Shelley's baking, we're decorating the tree. Sometimes there's white lights, sometimes there's colored lights, depending on the mood that year. And then we break out the ornaments, you know, those special ones. You know, the ones that we got when we were first married, keys to memories, special ornaments from loved ones. And special ornaments that have pictures of loved ones. You know, I love Christmas. All these types of traditions, they have this position in my heart. You know, I love Christmas. I love the malls. I love the mistletoe with my wife. Right? I love the movies. I love the music. I love the plays, the parties, the toys, the tamales, like Henry mentioned earlier. You know, I was talking to one brother. He moved over to Montana. And he's having a hard year because there's no tamales over there, man. I love Christmas, man. I love that when I put up the Christmas lights at my house, it makes my family happy. I love our banner and how we have this opportunity to encourage all our neighbors to celebrate Jesus, the true reason for the season, you know? I love the annual family photo that we take and we send out in our Christmas cards. And I love the way that my wife looks so forward to receiving Christmas cards. I love buying gifts when I can. And, you know, sometimes when you go out there, you're buying gifts, you know what you're looking for and sometimes you just know who you're looking for, huh? And when you come across that right gift, that perfect gift, you think, man, this is him or this is her or this is them. You know, and then you just hope that when you give that gift and when they open that gift that they perceive that they receive at least a little bit of that love that has its origin so bright So right, that first Christmas night. You see, that's where it all comes from. You see, I love Christmas because when it's done right, with the right mood and the right attitude, the right heart, the right art, when it's done right, the celebration of Christ, contemplation, stimulation, even emulation, it's like a showering down of God's love on our life. No, I guess I just love Christmas because in a mysterious way, it's a celebration of Jesus' birth, coming to planet Earth, all about God's love for us. How He entered our world, curled up in the bosom of a teenage girl, that chosen child, the baby born with the destiny to die, to be my hero. To be our only hero. To be our only hope. So everyone loves Christmas, Right? Everyone loves this season, right? No, unfortunately, no. Why is that? Because they miss it. You know, so many have ruined the raining down of God's love. They've kind of broken up their umbrellas. And they've used them to, you know, shelter them from God's love. They've made it what it's not. They've lost the focus. You know, for some, it's primarily about the gifts and you know, we include the gifts because it's partially that, but it's not primarily. For some, it's primarily about the gifts. I was reading this article yesterday. Uh, any of you guys here get some new Air Jordan tennis shoes? Is that a curiosity? Anybody got any black eyes here? It's crazy, huh? I mean, the the riots, the arrests, the, 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 just the mass hysteria across this nation because they want to get that Gift That perfect gift, they say. And so they're in line and they're waiting forever and ever for these Air Jordans all over the country. And people are fighting. People are getting hurt. People are getting arrested. Why? Because they think it's about the gifts. You know, for some, it's primarily about Santa Claus. You know, when I looked on the front page of four news feeds, including the LA Times, the New York Times, and I found on the front page six articles about Santa Claus. But I did not find one article about Jesus. And I was grieved by that. You see, when it's primarily about the gifts, you're not going to love Christmas. And when it's primarily about Santa Claus, you're not going to love Christmas. For some, it's primarily about traditions. And what they do is they strip away the Lord, making it a holiday and not a holy day. I read another article about this Muslim family. And they're able to do all the traditions, the tree, the gifts, and all that stuff, the lights, everything without Jesus. You see, that's what happens when the Lord is not placed in His proper place in this time of year, especially on this day. You can go through everything. And unless something changes, that's exactly what will happen to Christmas Day. And this is why we must fight for what's right. Because on that night, God gave His Son. And unless we keep that as the center of, of our celebration, we will join the world and forget that night. Forget the cause. You know, I think that we need to make sure our hearts are right. You know, these traditions are cool. I love traditions. How many of you here put up lights at your house? Just out of curiosity. How many of you here are Grinches? Just out of curiosity. And you know, I'm too busy, can't afford it, whatever. You know, I know that even myself, and i got to share this with you, this year when I was breaking out the lights, you know, it's kind of frustrating. Can you guys identify with me sometimes when those lights get all tangled up? And you're like, man, you know, because you, you can't just like pull them apart because the light bulbs will break. And so it can get pretty frustrating. I remember there was a time where I would used to make fun of people who left their Christmas lights on their house all year long. Now I think they're the smart ones. <laughs> but it gets it can get stressful. It can get crazy. I heard about this one guy, and this is actually a true story, He was undoing all his Christmas lights because they're all, you know, tangled up and it took him, you know, literally an hour to untangle everything and there's already the stress that's building up, right? What ends up happening is he lays them all down on the driveway and his daughter comes up and boom and she runs them over, man. And so what do you think he did? You know what he did? He went, he grabbed his gun and he started shooting. Shooting the ground. Got arrested. But that's the stress. That can happen when you. I heard another story, and I know this is crazy, man. But I gotta—some of you maybe you can't identify with this. This guy, this man, he opened up his gift early. Okay, you know what his wife did? She stabbed him. Isn't that crazy? And I heard about that. So I said, I am not opening my gifts early this year, man. I, I thought, wow, this is crazy, but you know, isn't it isn't it terrible how stressful we can get finding a parking spot, all these different things, you know? And we forget really what's going on, you guys. You know, for me when I think of Christmas, I think, you know what, Lord, I love gifts. You know, if it's primarily about the gifts though, you won't love it. If it's primarily about Santa, you won't love it. If it's primarily about traditions, then you won't really love Christmas. Or you're probably going to like Christmas and you're probably going to enjoy Christmas, but you won't love Christmas until you love Christ. Right? That's when you really begin to love. And then he comes in and takes away the sadness. Even when what some might call madness is happening, you have this joy that you're celebrating Jesus Christ. I was thinking this, and this is going to get into our study now. Imagine what it would be like, just for a moment, if those news feeds that I looked up, if those newspapers, if this day, if this birthday was covered by all the networks as a historical event that it really is. You know, imagine, instead of it being a story of fantasy or a story of economy or things just traditionally, imagine what it would be like if it was covered for what it is. The historical event in which God sent his son to save the world. You know, when you think about that, from what I understand, and I don't know if there's any news reporters here, but from what I understand, if you're a news reporter, then what you do when you want to get the whole story is you ask six questions. Who, what, where, when, why, and how? And when you ask those six questions, you cover the whole story, and so this is the way I want to approach Christmas this year. Let's ask those six questions. Who, what, where, when, why, how? So that we can get the full story, and we can get a biblical and a beneficial Christmas report. And so we begin, first of all, with the who of Christmas. Look what you read here in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word. Interesting word. In the Greek, it's logos. And the Greeks understood it. The Jews understood it. The culture of the day understood it. In the Aramaic language, it meant that this is a being that's come near to God. This is a being that's come near to man. In the beginning was the word. And that goes way back when, till before time began. Before there was ever a star flung in the sky, before anything was created, there was the Word. But it says right there that the Word was with God. Literally in the Greek language, face to face with God. And then it says that the Word was God. Interesting. He's with God. He, he was God. But then we look down in verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten and the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, a lot of times we get confused, and I'm really going to narrow it down for us today. I really want to get accurate. I, want to, I feel like Luke. You know, when Luke put together his Gospel, and we put together the book of Acts, he said, I want to really give you an accurate account. Really, who is the who of Christmas?" You know, some might say Christ the Lord, the Savior, true. But when you really think about it, think deeper. Christ the Lord, the Savior is his ministry, right? That's what he's going to earn, the titles he will earn, and the positions he'll be given by the Father. But as far as who he is, who he is, who he is, he's the God-man. He's God, and the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God. And verse 14, he's man, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, that's the who of Christmas. You know, when I was talking to my kids about this, they said, "Well, we know the who, the who is Christmas of is dad, it's Jesus. And yes, it's true. it's Jesus, but to different people, that means different things. Some people think he's just a random rabbi. Some say he's a typical teacher. Some say he's just a passing prophet. But you see, what we need to understand is that he is God. And on Christmas Day, he became man. You see, this is all a result of what he did. The God-man. Theologians will use the phrase fully God and fully man. Not half and half. Not part and parcel. No, fully God and fully man. And it's even more wild because on Christmas he was fully God and fully child. Think about that for a second. You see, that's the who of Christmas. It's very mysterious. How can God be a child? How can God be a man? You know, there's a question a lot of people will ask. They'll ask this in philosophical circles. Did that baby who was born on Christmas night did he know the world was round? And you wonder, well, how' does it work? God being man, God being a child, God being a, an infant? Did he know the world was round? Yes, and no. And you're like, "How can that be?" I don't know. It's a mystery. It's a miracle. It's amazing. It causes us to worship in wonder that God would become a man. And that it would get so wild that God would become a child. But you see, that's what Christmas is. What do you mean, Manning? Explain it. Well, I can't. All I can say is fully God and fully man. And then there's that verse over in 1 Timothy 3, verse 16. It says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. It's a mystery, right? I mean, here in John, look what it says in verse 3. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And so we're talking about the one that was born on Christmas night was the one who made Everything. Have you ever studied, you know, astronomy? Have you ever studied the galaxies? Have you ever seen how big those stars are? He made all that. And here we see the Creator was conceived. It just boggles your mind. Not only that, when you think about it, think about how did God make everything? How did He do it? Did He go to Home Depot and pick up some tools, you know, and Get some materials? No. He spoke everything into existence by the power of His Word. Jesus Christ said, let there be light. And there was light. And He fashioned the galaxies and He created the heavens with His fingers and His Word. And you think about that, and now this God who made everything, this Creator was conceived... And the one who spoke the universe into existence by the power of his word didn't even know how to talk. That's the who of Christmas. He was the God-man. And it was so wild that it was the God-child. And it blows us away. I was telling you guys about Stephen Curtis Chapman, right? And some of the songs that he sings. Here's one, and I'll share some words with you. It says, Well, he cried when he was hungry. Did all the things that babies do. He rocked and he napped on his mommy's nap. He wiggled and giggled and cooed. There were the cheers when he took his first steps and the tears when he got his first tea. Almost everything about this little baby seemed as natural as it could be. But this baby made the angels sing. And this baby made a new star shine in the sky. This baby had come to change the world. This baby was God's own son. This baby was like no other one. This baby was God with us. See, that's the who of Christmas. The God Child, Isaiah seven fourteen. The Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which according to Matthew chapter one verse twenty three means God with us. You see, that's the who of Christmas, and we need to understand that. But secondly, we move now to the what of Christmas. So, what is this, manny I mean, is it that the mall is? Is it the toys? Is it the cookies? Is it the, you know, and you can go on and on. What, what is this? We need to find out what this is from a scriptural basis. Now, some might challenge me on this because in one sense, there's a lot of what's of Christmas, right? What happened that night? But when you really study the scriptures and when you really narrow it down and you really dig in and you really do your homework, you find that the what of Christmas, that on that night and even the months leading up to that night, All the other things are just a part of Christmas because really the heart of Christmas is over in John chapter 3, verse 16. If you would turn there and look what it says in verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You see, when you narrow it down, and yes, I know there's a lot of parts to it, but the heart of Christmas is that God gave us a gift. God gave us a gift. God gave us His Son. See, that's the heart of Christmas. God gave us His Son. You know, sometimes you get a gift for the husband and sometimes you get a gift for the wife. And then you get one for the kids, you know. And you got like six different gifts for the family, which is cool. Sometimes you just give one gift to the family, you know. This is all they need. This is all the money I got. Whatever, you know. God gave His Son for everyone. And when you really think about that, it blows you away. Especially if you have a child. Especially if you have a daughter, or a son. And you fathom the thought. You begin to just dwell on the thought to give one of your kids away. You see, that's what God did. That was the gift of Christmas. God gave us His Son. We need to really make sure we don't miss this. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You see... And that's why it's important to ask the who of Christmas. It's the God man, the God child, and the what of Christmas. It's a gift. This day is a celebration of a gift that was given to all of us. God gave His Son. You know, and, and when you think about that, that right there, it just, man, it changes everything. You know, I've got a, a lot of good gifts over the years. How many of you guys remember the good gifts you got over the years? Those special gifts. You probably remember, right? I remember the train set that I wanted so bad that I did open it up early, man. <laughs> Have you guys ever done that? Any of you opened up gifts early? Is that a curiosity? Or am, I, am I the only evil one here, man? <laughs> you know, I remember that train set. I was so happy. I was probably about seven years old. I remember that vividly, you know. I remember the stereo system that I got in which I bumped on a summer. I mean, played it loud, man. I remember the camcorder. When they first came out, you guys remember when the camcorders first came out? The screen was black and white. A lot of good Christmases for me. But when I think of this Christmas, the first Christmas night, I understand that there's no gift that can even be compared you know some parents have been given a child some have even been given a child or a son on december 25th but this was not just a child it was god's child it was not just a son it was god's son and so i can ask you today for those of you who've already opened your gifts what you get for christmas you know and what we can all say no matter what is i was given a son i was given a son And there he is, bundled up in swathing cloths and lying in a manger. Question, have you opened that gift? You know, the thing about this gift of the son is that he never gets old. He never fades away. He never breaks. He never leaves. This gift of his son will be with you always. You know, sometimes you give a gift, people don't open it up. They don't want it. Whatever the reason is. Man, I do pray that you receive this gift. John chapter 1 verse 11, it says, He came to His own and His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. Maybe you're here today and you haven't been to church for a long time. Maybe you're here today and you're not like into the church thing. You're not into the religious scene. Well, you know what? We're not either. We're not about religion. We're not about rules and regulations. We're about a relationship that you can have with God. The God who made you. The God who loves you. The God who did everything that's necessary. He sent His Son for you. All you have to do is receive Him. The Bible says if you hear His voice today, do not harden your heart. It's an amazing gift what took place that day. As a matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15 says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. You see, that's what happened on Christmas Day. The who of Christmas is the God-man, the God-child, to be more specific. The what of Christmas is that God gave His Son. How about the where of Christmas? The where of Christmas. What would you say if I asked you, what's the wear of Christmas? Well, there's a couple of things. Look over to Luke chapter 2. And notice what it says in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. This is a difficult one to really narrow it down. What is the where of Christmas? The first thing, obviously, that comes to mind is Bethlehem. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 it said but you Bethlehem though you are little among thousands of Judah yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from of old from everlasting you know you got to know the who what where when why how the who is god man god child the what is he gave his gift the son to you the where it's not insignificant. It, you know, God, you know, here we have Caesar Augustus. And he's ruling the world. And he says, you know what? I need a little more money, man. And so he tells everybody, you got to go back to your native land and you must be taxed. And so he thought he was on the throne. He thought he was ruling. But God was overruling, right? Because God needed to get Joseph and Mary down to this place called Bethlehem, a little town known only for the fact that David had been born there. Because that's where he wanted his son born, Bethlehem. And it means two things. Number one, it means house of bread. Anybody here like bread? Just out of curiosity. Anybody here love bread? I know I do. you got to pray for me on that, okay? Garlic bread, cheesy bread, all that stuff, man. It's crazy. We can get the big, fresh, baked loaf from Albertson's. I stick my hand in that thing and I grab all the bread out. Yeah. You know, when we went to Cambodia, they didn't call Him the bread of life. They called Him the rice of life. You want to know why? Because to them, bread's not as significant. And what this really teaches us as He is there born in the house of bread, in John chapter 6, on the bread of life, is that He is the one who sustains you He is the one who satisfies you and He is the one who saves you. You see, you need food, man, to survive. And that bread will satisfy you and Jesus Christ will bring salvation. You see, Bethlehem speaks of the house of bread. That's who Jesus is to us. And not only that, Bethlehem speaks of the house of David, right? Because that's where David was born. And Jesus Christ was of the lineage and house of David. Because let me tell you something, man. I do not know who's going to be our next president. And to be honest with you, I kind of cringe at the thought, man. Any of these guys, no matter what, man, I don't know, man. Lord, we need options here, right? And we don't know who's going to be the ruler of the United Nations over there in Europe or whatever the you know case may be. But I do know this, that one day King Jesus will rule. And that's what Bethlehem is all about. The house of bread, the house of David. And So some might say, well, this is the wear of Christmas. But, you know what, I would say that it's probably not. As a matter of fact, what I would say to you is that it goes deeper. Because notice again what it says there in verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger. If I had to guess, if I was a reporter narrowing down things to one answer, I would say the who of Christmas is the God-man, the God-child. I would say the what of Christmas is this gift. I've been given God's Son. And I would say the where of Christmas is right there in that manger. You know, as a matter of fact, it's real interesting. If you keep reading on in verse 8, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." And this will be the sign to you. Here it is. This will be the sign to you. This is what I want you to see. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. You see, that seemed to be the identifying point of the angel. And what we find in the Greek language is that this is not just your you know, typical crib. It's not a bassinet. What it literally is, is a feeding trough for the animals to eat. You know, because we read right here, there was no room for them in the inn. Sorry, you know, we're full, can't stay here. Turning them away, turning them away. Until finally someone says, well, you know what, you can stay here with the animals. And when Jesus came, our Creator came. He had nowhere to lay His head. And they put Him in a manger. So what does that tell us? What does that tell us, man? It tells us that God is willing to come down to our level. That God is willing to come down. He wasn't born, you know. For a lot of you here, and you know, it's the right thing to do. You know, you're like, okay, we're going to have a kid. Let's find the best hospital for our kid. You know, I heard they're really good over there, and that one over, you know, hospital over there. You know, and you choose the hospital or whatever it is you know you choose the best place the most the place of you know the the best sanitation whatever it is you know that's the way that we would do it but that's not the way god did it because just in case there's anyone here who feels that they are too far or too low or they have been you know born into conditions that you know god wouldn't come here into this body or this neighborhood or god wouldn't want me The Lord says right here with a statement from the very beginning that I don't care where you are, I don't care what you've done, it doesn't matter how deep the pit is that you live in, that you were born in. doesn't matter what the circumstances are. God says, I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. No matter how low life gets, God says, I'll meet you there. It was a statement from the very beginning. And I was talking to a good friend the other day, and he was telling me a, a true story about a missionary who went out and, you know, trying to share the the love of the Lord with a village, and it happened to be a a village of lepers. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. You know, they close their hearts and they send them away. Until one day this missionary contracted leprosy himself. And it was at that point that they said, let me hear what you got to say. Because he entered into their pain. He entered into their sorrows. You see, and that's exactly what God has done. He became a leper, just like all of us. He went down in the deepest part. And the Bible says that He who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, if I had to narrow it down, I would say the where of Christmas. you got to see it man. The where of Christmas is that God was born in a feeding trough. And that says to us that there's nowhere that He won't come. That's the what... That's the who, that's the where. What about the when of Christmas? If you would, turn over to Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians chapter 4, we see the when of Christmas. Look what it says here in verse 4. It says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law was it December 25th it doesn't even matter it doesn't some people will argue with you man until you know they're blue in the face and they want to make it a huge issue in september no it was october it doesn't even matter the day we celebrate on december 25th right but the main thing about the time it says right here, when the fullness of the time had come, a couple of things about that you'll notice. First of all, not once upon a time; it's not a fairy tale. It's fact. It's history. But the second thing about it, you see, is that it was God's perfect timing, and that's really all that matters. You know, one of the things that theologians will tell you is that when Jesus Christ was born, there were three things that were set up that were this man perfect for him to come at this time. Number one is that the Romans had established Pax Romana. They had established peace throughout the land. It was a relative peace. And so as a result of that, have you guys ever heard that saying, all roads lead to Rome? They made the way. They made freeways, man. They paved the way so that you can now travel all over the world. It was perfect timing for someone who might want to travel. Secondly, what you find prior to the Roman Empire was the Greek Empire. And you know what the Greeks established? They established a couple of things. Number one, a universal language. Kind of like today, most people speak what? English. It's kind of established that way. In that day, it was the it was the Koine Greek language. And so if you were a traveler, it would be cool. You've got roads to, to travel on. You've got a language to speak. Another thing that the Greeks gave to the world was an understanding that the emptiness of philosophy had settled in. They tried their philosophy, the best that man can do, and they were empty inside. You see, that's what the Romans gave, that's what the Greeks gave, and then there's the Jews. The Jews had established now this thing in which they were scattered throughout the world. They called it the diaspora. And they were established and they were scattered and everywhere they went, what they did was they said this, Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. And yet at the same time with their religion, there was still a void. There was still an emptiness. And so with that whole thing, on comes to the scene, Jesus Christ. And what he does is he gives this message. And the message goes out on these roads and in this language and into the hearts that are empty. And in the fullness of time, the perfect time, God's Son was born. You know, just as a quick side note to that, maybe you're here today and maybe today is the fullness of time for you. You know, maybe you find yourself sick and tired of being sick and tired. Maybe you find yourself, you've tried everything, man, but it doesn't fill the void within. Maybe you've tried religion. Maybe you've tried philosophy. doesn't matter. Those things will never fill the void and they will never save your soul. We're here today to tell you that Christmas Day is about God giving His Son so that you can be saved. It's not a game. It's not a tradition. You don't want to be one of those, what do they call them, CEO Christians? They only come on Christmas, Easter, and what's the other one? I forgot what the other one is. You don't want to be one of those, man. What you want to do is you want to begin to establish in your heart a consistency in seeking the Lord and going to church and spending time in prayer and in asking God to be the Lord of your life. You see, it's at the right time that Jesus came, in the fullness of time. The fifth thing, we're getting to a close here, is the why of Christmas. Why did this happen? Well, some might say that Jesus came to empathize with us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's why God came, they say, so that He can go through everything that I've gone through and then minister to me. Yes, that's partially the reason. But there's another reason that some might say He came to teach us. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29, it says, And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at His teaching, for He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You see, Jesus came to be tempted so that he can help us when we're tempted because he can say, I've been there, right? And Jesus came to teach us. He spoke the language, literally the greatest teacher that ever taught, right? But the primary reason that Jesus came is over in Matthew chapter 1. Let's go there real quick. In Matthew chapter 1, when the angel Gabriel is speaking to Joseph, it says in verse 21, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, that's the why of Christmas. You know, sin, I know it's fun. A lot of people think, oh, there's no big deal, you know, drinking, the drugs, sex before marriage, the pride, the arrogance, all those things. You know, but that sin will separate you from God forever. Jesus Christ came, it says right here, to save us from our sins. You see, He came and He broke the power of sin and He broke the penalty of sin. You know, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I would be in hell right now. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, when I die, I would spend forever in hell. But man, I am so grateful that because of Jesus Christ, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. You know, I talk to a lot of people and I ask them, when you die, what are you gonna, where, where are you going to go, heaven or hell? And a lot of times people say, I don't know. You know what? You shouldn't live like life like that. You know, you shouldn't be gambling with your eternity. You know, Jesus Christ came so that we might know that we have life. What you need to do is you need to give your life to Him. You see, you need to humble yourself. The Bible says to repent, to turn from your sins, and to trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You see, that's why we celebrate Christmas. Man, that's the most important thing. You know, last Sunday we talked about um, what can I give... God for Christmas. You know? And you begin to really think those things through. You know, I don't know if you guys got time to spend with the Lord and and just say, Lord, what is it that I can give to you? And if you're a Christian here today, um, you know, I really encourage you, don't miss that. Don't let it go. You know, you feel bad sometimes, man, because you wish you could give gifts to everybody and you're like, oh, that family or that person or whatever it is. You know, and that happens, right? But man, don't let this Christmas go by without really, truly, honestly getting before the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you want me to give you? You know, I know the Lord settled some things in my heart. And this year, man, he says, Manny, I want you to give this to me. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you got to understand that you need to give Him your life. You need to give Him your heart. That's what this day is all about. Otherwise, man, it's not really a celebration. And you want to celebrate Christmas because we move to the last thing and that is the how of Christmas. And we'll go back to John 3.16 and we'll close with this verse right here. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The who of Christmas is the God child. The what of Christmas is that God gave His Son. The where of Christmas is the manger there, the feeding trough. The when of Christmas is the fullness of time, Galatians 4.4. 4. The why of Christmas is to save us from our sins. But the last thing is this, How did He do it? How did God become a man? How did God choose to die? How did God die? How did all these things happen? And you know, and there's probably some intricacies of it that you and I will never understand. And I know it's a miracle. But I think that we can really answer that last question of how He did it with one word, and that is the word love. For God so loved the world. See, and that's how He did it, you guys. Man, I cannot overemphasize. I cannot put into words the extent of God's love for you. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31, verse 3, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness I have drawn you. There's this everlasting love. I love what we read over in John chapter 13. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. If you have an old King James, it says he loved them to the uttermost. He loved them to the guttermost. Cause I know for sure, you know, that there's some here today who think, you know what, I don't know if God loves me. The things that I've been through, the circumstances in my life, the things that I've done. I want you to know this. You gotta know this. On Christmas Day, you gotta know this today. You gotta know this right now that no matter what you've done, who you are, doesn't matter how deep down in the gutter you are, God loves you. That's how Christmas came about. That's how God became a man. That's how God died on the cross. He did it with love. My encouragement to you today is to receive that love. Let Him love you. Let Him wrap His arms around you. Let Him forgive you of your sins. Let Him forgive you of all the things you've done, all the things you've said, all the things that you regret. Let God save you today. You know, there's another song by Stephen Curtis Jabman, and I'm going to just share some words to that song that talks a little bit about this. It says this, it says, There's a man who stands in the cold winter's night, and greets everyone passing by with a smile and a ringing bell. And the song that he's playing is his own way of saying, love is here, it's the music of Christmas. And there's a lady who sits all alone with her thoughts and the memories of all that she's lost. When she hears a sound at her door and the song comes to find her as a gentle reminder, love is here. It's the music of Christmas. So, he goes on to say, listen. Listen with all your heart and you will hear a song and the laughter of a child. Listen. For the sound of hope you will hear is the music of Christmas. And the music of Christmas is love. I encourage you today to understand the love that God has for you, for us today. You know, I was messing around with you earlier when I said, you know, God loves us all, but I'm His favorite, you know? (laughs) I don't know how He does it, but obviously only He can. He loves us all. He loves us all with a perfect love that will never change. And that's seen most clearly when we understand what Christmas is all about. Father God, we thank You that we can get into Your Word and search the Scriptures and try our best, Lord God, to get an accurate understanding of that day. The who of Christmas. God, the God-child. The what of Christmas and that You gave Your Son. Oh Lord, the where of Christmas and that He came and was born in a manger in a feeding trough. The when of Christmas is your perfect timing, Lord. The why of Christmas is that we can be forgiven of our sins. And the how. How did this all happen? Lord, it happened because of your great love for us. And today as a congregation, Lord, we worship you. We thank you for that. And Lord, we pray that as Christians, Lord, as believers, that we would be able to live our life is a life of gratitude, Lord, a life of understanding what really took place on that Christmas day. And just in case, you know, before we go, you guys, let's pray. If there's anyone here today, maybe you're not a Christian, and maybe you're here for the first time, or, or maybe uh, you know, it's been a while since you've been plugged into church or just in that relationship with God. And today on Christmas Day. You want to give God your heart again. You want to give God your life. You want to exchange gifts. He gave you His Son. Will you give Him your life? If you're here today and you want to do that, you want a new start, you want this to be a special celebration, the year 2012, Christmas Day, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. If you would like to do that, right where you're at, will you just raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Those hands that have gone on This is the moment of decision. You can do all the other things, but if you have not given Jesus Christ your heart and your life, you have not really celebrated Christmas. And so... This is an opportunity for you to be saved. This is an opportunity for you to be forgiven. This is an opportunity for you to have a new start. Give Jesus your heart. Give Him your life. Anyone else here today, man, don't miss this opportunity. Raise your hand. I'll pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Don't be afraid. It's the most important decision you can ever make in life. Anyone else? Father, I thank you for all those hands that went up, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that it would just be you, Lord. You are the Savior of the world, Lord. Only you can save. And I pray, Lord, that that would just be something, that transaction between you and those individuals, Lord, that would change their life. Father, we thank you so much for the beauty of your love the work You're doing in Your church, the work You're doing in people's lives, Lord. I pray today, Lord, that You would continue that work and the fire would grow, the commitment would grow, the decisions to follow You, Lord, would increase and that everyone here today would be just so blessed and understanding that this is the God that we have. Lord, we love You. We thank You so much, Lord. For this Christmas day, and for the celebration of your love. Be with us now, Lord, as we close with a couple of songs, Lord, I pray you would just do a great work. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you raise your hand to receive Christ. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte, at air code 626- 454 four, four, four. Remember that Jesus loves you.